Welcome to Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. Here's the guy who asks all the right questions. Your host, Ralph DeLugas. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another exciting week. We have a a very full show for you guys today. We're going to talk about a few a few current news events. Uh, I feel I need to take another opportunity to tap down again this stupid global warming stuff. Europe just passed another bunch of laws with Greta. Um, same old stuff, but um, we'll mention that briefly. I want to talk more about signs of the times. This coronavirus has everybody wringing their hands, and I do not believe... I am 100% in my opinion sure that this is not the the abomination of desolation that Daniel foretold. This is not the plague uh, that we need to be freaked out about, but I think it's a nice wake-up call. Um, but I want to talk about what we should worry about um, from many sources, including Daniel, Isaiah, and many modern-day visionaries, people that have had NDEs and so forth, names you might recognize, um, Sarah Manet, um and people like that, even Julie Rowe. Um, a lot of people spent in visions of glory. A lot of people, like in Joel 2, seem to be dreaming dreams and seeing visions. And uh, and I think these are watchmen on the tower that we should listen to. And um, we, we have a very clear uh, description from, from some good Jewish people that have had the same, same dreams and visions. Um, prophecies call them, uh, all religions, all walks of life, all continents, and they all seem to agree. Um, so we're going to talk about some of those warning signs and what we should worry about and what we can do about it. Um, I want to dedicate at least a segment to that. But before we get started on that, this is a good way to start our news. Um, you know, actually, before I do that, I don't I don't think it, it's been quite a while since I've sort of talked about why I do this. <clears throat> why do I take time away from my already way too busy schedule and running a machine shop here in the kingdom of corruption to talk to you guys every week? For one, I enjoy it. I love you guys. And I love this time to talk about things that I'm passionate about. But it's important to, to understand that all governments have institutionalized corruption. All governments have. Both sides of our government Every government, state government, they've all institutionalized to varying degrees corruption. And um, because they control everything, business, academia, everything, that's why I'm here. Um, I think everybody has their thing. I know uh, I enjoyed listening to Ammon when he was doing his show. I mean, he's clearly a constitutional, I don't know, I don't know if you'd like to be called a scholar, Brian as well. Um, Brian Hyde, you know, these guys have taught me a lot about the constitution. I don't have time to study that stuff in that kind of detail. I'm more of a nerd, a science junkie. Um, but what I do know, I want to share with you guys and not that I'm so smart, but this is just where I spend my time. And honestly, any truth that I have didn't come from me. It came from smart people around me and verified by, uh, well, verified by the Lord. Honestly, I, I don't know how else to put it other Truth has a, has a resonance that you can feel, and sometimes, you know, there's different categories of truth, but anyway, so let's start with our first article. Here I have an article, um, Alaska City, uh, outside of Anchorage, has a daily high and a, and a record snowfall in the same day, and this was on February 18th, 2020. Oh, this is Anchorage. <clears throat> this is something that we're going to see more and more of as pole reversal continues to move forward. 
This is not an opinion. This is a fact. There are many people talking about it now. Even the uh, the kingdom of corruption and its arms, its many tentacles, places like NASA and the NSF, um, they are all talking about it too. This is a reality. This is our reality. This is not generations away. This is before us. And it will cause massive swings in weather, crop destruction, uh, yeah, there's, it's not something to be freaked out over, but it's just a reality that we should prepare for. Um, so there'll be massive swings in weather, and we're seeing a lot of that now. Um, I have an article I might talk about a little later just to show you just how nonsensical physics has become, but that might be a deep rabbit hole. I'll skip over that one. This is an interesting article I found. Hikers experience electric shocks in Colorado over the weekend, and this was last weekend. Um, hikers on, t on two different mountains experienced electrical shocks and currents so strong that it left their hair standing up. Uh, Lori Colas is an experienced hi hiker, her and 30 others. Basically, I, I wish I could show you the picture. This woman has hair halfway down her back, and she looks like a little alien. Her hair is standing, probably more than half of her hair is standing straight up. <clears throat> what's happening here, what's causing this, and this is happening more and more on mountains. I see articles oh, at least every couple weeks. Um, I don't talk about them all the time, but this one is dramatic enough, and it's close to us enough. The earth is an electrical body. What spins the earth, and you're not going to read this in a science book. To me, this is a fact. I've, I've done research on this. I've talked to many researchers, many PhDs that are honest uh, acknowledge this. This is an observable fact. The earth is an electrical body. What turns it is, is electrical power that comes through Brooklyn currents, through the North Pole, out the South Pole. There's a toroid around it. There are electrical currents uh, through the Allen belts. And um, that's what drives the earth. There's a lot of good videos online. Uh, one in particular uh, where a, a guy takes a really strong uh, electromagnetic coil puts a piece of iron in the center of a strong electromagnetic coil. The, the iron floats and it spins and it eventually becomes molten and it continues to spin and it will spin forever as long as this electromagnetic coil is on. That is a very good little description of what turns our earth. Um, why can't we be taught what our earth turns? We keep hearing all this nonsense about molten tungsten, cobalt, iron cores sloshing around making a magnetic field. That's nonsense. That has never been proven in a lab. We can melt iron and cobalt. I do it in my shop all the time. I do it when I forget to turn my coolant on. And you know what? It does, it's never created a single gauss of electronic field or a magnetic field or a volt of electricity for that matter. But somehow magically inside the earth where nobody can verify, they say that that's what spins our earth. You know what truly spins our earth? God spins our earth. But he uses mechanisms, and if you don't like hearing the God talk, well, you can look at what we observe, and that's kind of interesting, too. Um, as our shield weakens, greater amounts of energy will be coming through, and this is another little sign of the times, over our head and under our feet. Um, um, the locusts, I think we've talked about the locusts. This one's interesting. <clears throat> um, Beetlejuice, spelled B-E-T. E-L-G-E-U-S-E. -E. It's not spelled Beetlejuice like the movie. <clears throat> this is in the, the High and Holy Nature magazine, probably the most widely read science magazine in the world. Uh, mysterious faded star Beetlejuice has started to brighten again. Um, the article states, on Orion's shoulder, uh, Orion's shoulder had reached an unprecedented dimness in mid-February, leaving astron astronomers befuddled, and it has now begun uh, mysteriously to brighten. 
<clears throat> this isn't a mystery, guys. This star is right in front of us. I've talked about this before. Um, Proxima Centauri Micronova, Betelgeuse. What makes what makes a star go dim, and uh, and then get bright again? Well, it uh, we're going in and out of current sheets, and it makes the stars. Uh, accumulate large amounts of dust and eventually they blow these dust shells off. It is cyclical. We can see the shells going out every 12,000 years. Like like when you drop a stone in a pond, you can see the rings going out in, in equally spaced um, ripples. So can we observe this happening with stars? Um, why it's not talked about, I don't know, but it's a fact. It's, it's like coming into a 20-car a pileup, right? You can see the car in front of you clobber in there, and you're skidding on ice. You can see the car next to you smash in. And here we are going, ah, we're probably not going to hit that. Yeah, we'll probably just go right on through. Well, whatever. We're not going to miss it. Um, so this is kind of interesting. Um, oh, I think we need to talk a little bit about – let me see what other articles we've got here that we – I think that's it for the ones that we have to cover. Um, Greta's in the news again in the EU. EU, this is also Nature Magazine. EU champions bold new climate law. Legislation empowers the European Commission. That blonde lady, I forget her name, but you know that blonde lady that runs that show over there is next to Greta, smiling. They're all smiles, signing this corrupt, made-up garbage. Uh, empower the EU Commission to set uh, emission targets. And it is uh, very unpopular with member states. It should be unpopular. It's theft in the name of lies. It's disgusting. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about 5G. There's a lot of talk, you know, is 5G have a hand to play in this uh, coronavirus? I heard, I think I heard Joel Skousen saying it's that's absolute nonsense. He's He's a great guy and he's a good purveyor of truth on the things that he knows. Sometimes I think he's a little... More bold on things he does. I, I, I can't say. I don't know what his expertise is. But what I do know is that all matter is energy. That's a natural law. That's a fact. That can't change, and I don't care what anybody says. All matter is energy in a vibrational state. So can a, a high-energy pulsed 5G signal affect a dormant virus and cause it come to life? It absolutely can. Is that the case in the coronavirus? I have no idea. I have neither the equipment or the desire to test, honestly. But I would be very surprised, very, very surprised if the cabal that runs our world doesn't know this well and isn't planning to use it against us. I'll talk a little bit more about that after this short break, and we will talk to you then. Welcome back, everybody. You are on the Loving Liberty Network. I am your humble, truth-seeking host, Ralph DeLugas. We were talking briefly about this, um, I, I'd call it a rumor that 5G can affect a, a virus and that maybe that's how they're they're using it to trigger viruses. Um, and some people think that's utter nonsense and that's based on, on nothing. And other people say it is, that 5G is just, you know, the, the naysayers are just trying to say that 5G is the tinfoil hat boogeyman and there's anyway the facts are the facts and just like the high energy freaking microwave ovens at the airport are not safe to step into and my empathy goes out to anyone standing in front of those 
cancer-causing magnetometer-containing high-energy-emitting corrupt tools of the police state, they are not safe. High energy, I've seen no research anywhere that says an high, a high energy x-ray penetrating my flesh, seeing through my skin and my bones is safe. It's not safe. But anyway, but I digress. So um, anyway, all energy is matter. And uh, I would be shocked if, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, the CDC has snuck this in vaccines and we all have this hiding in our tissues, actually in our fat cells. And uh, all they need to do is push a button and we're all going to die of Ebola. I, I have no idea. But I would be very surprised if the, the evil cabalists that run our world that uh, – I don't know. Can I call them servants of Satan? The evil, wicked people. You know who I'm talking about. Um, not the rank and file politician. I'm, I'm sure they wouldn't be privy to such things and wouldn't do such things, I would hope. But um, is the science real? Yeah. Is it in place? I can't say for sure, but I would be very surprised if it's not in place. Um, lots being said about this vi uh, vaccine that we're racing to uh, develop that I'm quite sure is already sitting in many labs across the world. Y'all got to make your own choices. I would do it prayerfully because this is something that's kind of out of our control to do our own true research. We can only look around. I personally would never even consider a corona vaccine. Um, to me, the CDC, the FDA, all these people, they have proven their corruption. They have proven their dishonesty and they have proven their incompetence to me. To me, this is my opinion, you know, um, I wouldn't trust them. So I would uh, – I would absolutely never take the coronavirus and I would never, ever, ever subject my children to any vaccines anymore is my honest, humble opinion. Um, but anyway, let's talk about um, let's get on to something much more uplifting to me. You won't probably find this uplifting, but some of you might. Some of you might be weird like me. Um, <clears throat> the coming plagues of the uh, of the last days. Um, plague number one, and this is from many sources. Um, I'm going to try to run the, I kind of typed up this little summary. Um, well, I, I would hope most of you know, y'all have a Bible somewhere in your apps or sitting on your mantle at home, pull open Daniel. You can read, you, you can look at your index and look up plagues. You can all see <clears throat> what, uh, what the, uh, ancient prophets had to say that saw this coming. This kind of ties them in along with, uh, a few different. There was a, a Dreams of Zion was a young man that had an NDE, Visions of Glory. Some of you might have heard of. Um, Suzanne Freeman uh, in the 80s uh, had a near-death experience and saw the plagues and wrote about it extensively, along with others. And they all agree, which to me, um, the fact that they agree with Scripture, the fact they all agree with each other, and the fact that um, it feels right to my little internal truth detector – to me, makes them worth repeating to you guys. Plague number one, <clears throat> they're calling this the White Blisters Plague. Um, and there, there are three waves of plague. Uh, first plague has small white pox blisters. Um, uh, um, gosh, there's a lot here. Uh, Hector Sosa called it. Uh, as I said earlier, the plague starts out like a cold, very similar to the chikungunya virus infection. People have fevers, shakes, and are a lot of pain. The skin breaks out in blisters, uh, white pus-filled blisters. The plague reminds me of a lot of when I had chicken pox. Only bl the blisters have a much whiter and thicker pus. Sarah Manet, <clears throat> the disease started with white blisters, some the size of a dime. 
appearing on the hands, arms, and face of the victims. The blisters quickly developed into white puffy sores. Those with this disease would stumble around and fall over dead in a very short period of time within a few days. So that sounds pretty horrible. And uh, and again, we'll, we'll talk about in like the third segment, there are some very real temporal things we can do to, to strengthen ourselves against these things and uh, also things spiritually and energetically that we can do to keep ourselves and our families safe. So don't 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 be overcome. The, the most important thing to do is not fear. So this is anyway, this description, this is the first plague too, chronologically in order. This is definitely not coronavirus. Sounds a bit like Ebola, but I'm not a doctor. Uh, The second plague they're calling the plague of fear. This is dreams of Zion. Uh, The name was given because people could not figure out why so many were dying. Um, If you lacked faith and were uh, filled with fear, uh, it seemed to increase your chances of dying. Um, diverse, unrelated, seemingly uh, Im- impossible to get illness. People would be uh, people from families would be stricken with this illness, while the members of the same household would not. Um, most de- uh, most deaths were among the worldly. Of course, this is a, a religious book. More than 50 million succumbed. Uh, the total pop- population of the U.S. had been reduced by half at the end of this plague. Suzanne Freeman. saw the same thing. Fear was the main cause of this illness that plagued the nation. Uh, Entertaining fear invites illness, accidents, and and that's true of all illness. Um, I remember my mom, not to go on a tangent, but my mom, bless her heart, best, most Christian, awesomest mom that ever lived on earth, in my opinion. Um, She was horrified of cancer. My brother was a coffee drinker, and she would, oh, don't drink coffee. It's going to give you cancer. She was horrified of cancer. Everything she she studied incessantly, and you know what? She died of cancer. Um, fear is uh, is our biggest enemy. Uh, fight it and shun it and kick it out every chance you get. Anyway, back to Suzanne Freeman. Her book uh, was is Led by the Hand of Christ. She led several – she wrote several books. She wrote one about the Founding Fathers. She uh, – Got a chance to meet uh, some of the founding fathers on the other side of the veil. Really interesting book. Uh, I would highly recommend it. I really enjoyed reading it. Anyway, fear was the main cause of this illness. Entertaining fear invites illness, accidents, and troubles that we don't have to have. Fear attracts and acts as a conductor for devastation, just as water is to electricity. Charles Evans, um, Patriarch Charles Evans, some of you might recognize his his name. Thousands of bodies lay untombed uh, in the streets. Men and women fell dead from the terror inspired from fear. Rest was, uh, but the, um, anyway, there's a lot here that you get the gist of it. Also, uh, um, President Taylor saw this one. <clears throat> Most of you have access and probably have heard of that. The final plague, number three, uh, is uh, they're calling this Ebola-like symptoms. <clears throat> Uh, Hector Sosa, from his book, A Change is Coming, I saw that no age group was safe from this final disease. The most noticeable, noticeable aspect of this plague was the later stages, the veiny lesions were dark purple. There was a central nub on the skin from where the tentacle-like lesions spread. These were quite noticeable on the top of the hands, cheeks, and the forehead. The people who contracted it were very sickly and had a sheen of sweat across their bodies as if they had a high fever. Sarah Manet. You know what? We'll skip to President John Taylor because I haven't read any of his yet. President John Taylor, and some of you probably know who he is. He lived in the uh, 
1800s. Uh, it was then in my dream immediately I saw the city of Salt Lake and was wandering around the city and all parts of that city, the doors of the houses. I found badges of mourning. I could not find a house that was not in mourning. I imagined next that I was in Washington and I found desolation there. The White House was empty. Halls of Congress the same. Everything was in ruins. The people seemed to have left the city and left it to take care of itself. I suppose this was the end, but it was not. Um, we're going to run out of time, but you, most of you probably know the rest. So he saw bodies stacked up, and it's kind of dreary stuff. But you know what? To be uh, forewarned is to be forearmed. So um, this is truth, and um, so that's it for the plagues. That's not the coronavirus. None of them are, so don't worry about coronavirus. We will talk about how we can help our families avoid any of these uh, in the next segment. We'll see you then. Everybody, we are back. I'm going to touch just briefly on uh, something that I've uh, learned recently. Um, you've heard me talk before about long-term fasting. I'm, I want to talk a little bit about what we can do to um, to avoid plagues. And I don't, I don't, as I understand it, think there's probably any surefire way. I can't say for sure. I'm not going to get. One of these devastating plagues, I don't expect to. Um, I hope to do some good, help some people, build some devices in my machine shop maybe that can relieve some pain and suffering on as many people as possible. I hope to do whatever good I can. If I'm, if I'm to fall from a plague, then so be it. But I don't worry about such things. But there are things that we can do. And I think it's really important to do what we can do. Um, I have... I have a really strong faith and uh, belief that God isn't neutral or asleep. He knows exactly what's going on with each of his children. And, that, and I believe that faith and obedience to him is our first and best defense. However, I really think it's important that we do all we can. Um, I find it really hard to believe that, that God will feed and protect one who could have done much of that for themselves and their family, but they just chose not to. They chose to go water skiing or or play Fortnite instead, right? Um, will he mute the law of the harvest for uh, for his complacent or lazy children? I don't believe he will. So I think we're obligated or we, we should do all we can do. Um, here's some of the things that I like to do. Obviously, the temporal preps, most of you should already know. Get some uh, food, uh, clean water, water filters, warm clothing. That's a given, right? Um to protect ourselves against the plagues, um, fasting and dry fasting. I'm going to report on this more later. I haven't done a lot of research. I'm going to actually do it myself. But there is a a, a team out there led by uh, a guy named Dr. August Denning, a man who I have a lot of respect for. I've met him and I've talked with him. And he's a, a brilliant man, he used to work for NASA. Uh, he, his PhD is in chemistry, but he has a vast knowledge about physics and chemistry and and basically end times preparation. He's uh, in Texas right now. He used to teach at Cal Poly. He's like 70. But he calls this uh, – He calls, and he's not a religious man at all. Trust me. This guy's a – he enjoys a good joint. Um, he's usually pretty upset when I tell him no. But um, I've not partaken, but he definitely loves his marijuana. He's kind of a 60s hippie type. But um, 
he calls this functional immortality. And basically these longer term and, and these are dry fasts. And it's interesting to me too, that it's throughout scripture too. We hear about much fasting and we know many people fasted a long time and we don't know a lot about it, but we always equate it with gaining more power. Don't we? Um, exactly what is that power? Is it just spiritual power? Is it actually health? I can't say for sure, but according to Dr. Dunning, this long-term dry fasting, and he does it in a particular way that I'm not prepared to, don't just stop drinking water for 10 days, okay? You're not ready to do it, neither am I. But um, I'll get more of the specific, specifics down. But basically what this does is it opens up, you drop fat like crazy. Uh, to get the water, your body, if, it, if done right, will not assault your muscle tissues as it often does in fasting to feed itself but rather it's fat cells and inside of the fat cells is all these toxins that people are doing all these kooky um oh these cleanses you know they're everywhere my wife is my wife's always doing some sort of a cucumber celery cleanse or oh it's they're, they're everywhere and i'm not saying they're good or bad i don't know but um i know that these chemicals if there is a hidden uh a hidden toxin in your body waiting for 5G to turn it on. It is hiding in a fat cell. And the way to get it out is through a method like this. Um, and it also uh, creates, it supercharges all stem cell production in your body. And in 3 to 4% of these stem cells are a what's called a muse cell. And these are immortal. These cannot be hurt by virus. You want as many of these as possible in your body. According to Dr. Dunning, these are immortality. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're going to make anybody immortal. I think that's going to come in an entirely different way, not through dry fasting. But there is definitely a great deal of merit in preparing our bodies to be as healthy as possible. Also, uh, a good healthy diet. Um, don't take all the, the poison Things like I talked last week about or week before about D3, vitamin D3, which we all know is, is needed for our immune system, right? The problem is it's made out of a 55-gallon drum of chemicals that comes from China. And it isn't vitamin D3. It's calciferol, which is rat poison. And it also is very close chemically to D3. But I don't know about you. If you want to trust the FDA that it's close enough and it's going to help keep you safe and healthy, by all means, gobble it up. I've thrown all my D3 away and I only take um, <laughs> whole food supplements from a company called Standard Process. I would point you to um, Dr. Jack Stockwell if you're uh, interested in such things. He's an expert and a lot of good stuff there. But dry fasting, um, another important thing that I think we can do, <clears throat> I like to pray over every single drop of water or crumb of food that goes into my body. And when I do that, and you can do what seems right for you, this is what I do for me and my family. It's kind of cute. My 11-year-old sons have started to do it just like dad does. It kind of makes me makes me smile when they do. But I, first thing I like to do is ask because I, you know, I, I'm like you guys. I have to go eat a burger sometimes for lunch. I can't eat super healthy. Um, so I do what I can do. Um, I try to eat as healthy as I can, and I leave the, less up, left the rest up to the Lord. And when I pray over my food, I always start with, you know, first of all, gratitude is so important. I thank him. And then I ask him to cleanse this of anything that the kingdom of Satan or this celestial corrupt world would have put in here advertently or inadvertently, you know. 
please cleanse it, you know, through the light of Christ or the ether, the energy fields that's all around us. There's no question that these things can be poofed and taken out through this medium. So I ask that they be cleansed and I ask that they be raised in energy and vibration to be helpful to this body that you've given me. And I just include that little thing. Whether I'm sitting in a restaurant, I don't care. Sometimes my wife's not real happy when I do it, but I don't really – she gets over that. Um, yeah, do that. And I promise you that you will feel in your heart that you're, you're, you're doing a good thing. You'll, you'll know you're doing the right thing. Um, another thing, I've become a pretty big fan of uh, these places of refuge. Um, and there's been a lot of people that have talked about it. I know Sarah Manet did um, pretty much all the names that you've, you know, NDE books that are kind of famous here in, in my little, in the great Sanhedrin Valley in which I live here in Utah and um, other places throughout the world. <clears throat> if you look in Isaiah, really all the scriptures, Moses, it's a very, very common thing that God um, will get his people out of Babylon. I don't think that means we're going to be missing the hard times. I think we're going to all have a lot of hard things to walk through. But um, it seems a very common theme that a lot of God's people um, or a drop of water on the ground. I think this is very telling to us. We need to be ready to go. And I don't think the call to go and when will the call come? Well, you're certainly not going to hear it from me. And if you're going to listen to me, you have my you have my compassion. Don't listen to me. Um, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to find that in your heart. You're gonna have to pray, and you're gonna you're gonna have to know by personal revelation, and only you can decide that. But I think the time will come where we will band together and we will get out of the cities, and have to take care of each other. I I look at it, you know, and sometimes think, oh, that's gonna be kind of exciting. And I got my my big tent, and man, I want to be on the patrol, right? I want to be one of the um, maybe part of the militia keeping a camp safe. And I. When I when I have these little conversations, do any of you ever have conversations basically with God, but you have them in your heart, you know, as you're kind of musing over stuff? And I think, you know what, if you want to put me like maybe I could be like a captain or something, you know, maybe and, you know, and I just feel God smiling on me. And he's like, you know, Ralph, I think I got a spot for you cleaning the uh, cloth diapers in the uh, Dutch ovens. Wherever I'm at, I'll be happy doing it. Um, but I do know that when the moment is at hand, the time for preparation is over. So um, I would uh, definitely consider, I mean, we all live in different places. If you live in a little teeny town, you know, out on the outskirts of Manti, Utah, or might be the Sanhedrin Valley and there's like, you know, two million people all around me. So uh, this place is going to come unraveled. So my plan is to get out um, exactly where I don't know, but I would definitely advise you to have a good solid tent, um, like one of these army kinds that can have a stove in it, maybe a little coal, a little trailer or something. All these things we're going to have to decide for ourselves, but definitely take the time to do so. Um, because as I said, when the time is at hand, the time for preparation will be over. Um, I want to talk, we're out of time in this segment, but we're going to talk about some of the signs over our head. Um, a good pastor, I, I watched some of his presentations and uh, anyway, yeah, the sign of Jonah, all that kind of stuff. We're going to wrap up with that and we'll talk to you after the break.
everybody. Welcome back. We're going to shift gears. I guess you could title this show this week, uh, Signs of the Times. I want to talk about some of the signs over our head. Um, we passed a few of them. They're now in the rearview mirror uh, a couple years ago. I believe one of them uh, was the eclipse uh, that crossed North America. Um, I want to talk a little bit, I guess, briefly about eclipses. Um, most of the Christian world... Um, let, let's go back to the Savior. He was on, on the Mount, I believe, talking to his disciples. And even they were looking forward to his, you know, they had him there with them. But they were like, hey, tell us about tell us about when you're coming back in glory. Like, like man has been wondering about this for 2,000 years. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. We're here, man. And it isn't far away. We're seeing the signs everywhere. So this is super cool stuff. Don't be fearful. Be be flipping grateful and be excited because this is super exciting. So anyway, even them, you know, 2,000 years ago were like, hey, what about, you know, what about your returning glories? You know, what, what will be the signs? Because Jews are always looking for signs. It's ingrained in their culture. I, I think I think they kind of have that one on us. Um we're always kind of looking for knowledge, and therefore we're kind of easily duped. But they're big into signs. Um, they were then, and they still are now. So he uh, he said, a wicked and a perverse generation seeks after a sign, but no sign will be given it but the sign of Jonah. Many of you probably remember that, right? Well, what was the sign of Jonah? Most Christians believe the sign of Jonah was, you know, him swallowed by the fish. He's in the belly three days, came out. And that's like Christ in the tomb, like a type of resurrection. And that's kind of what they consider the sign of Jonah, right? That Christ was resurrected. Jonah came out of the fish after three days. And that may well be it. But there is a lot more to that story than that. Um, if you look in the, oh, where was it? These, uh, oh, I'm going to lose my place, darn it. Um, in the ancient, I want to say that it was in the ancient Sumerian tablets where, uh, and other, these, these aren't in the Bible. I had that reference here in front of me. Yeah, it'll, come, it'll come to me before the end of the show. Um, there, the sign of Jonah, and we, we can also determine this by just the computer models, right? We can see the, the, the path of the earth, and though it has changed in the past, it hasn't changed in the last few thousand years. The sign of Jonah was also a, an eclipse. Um, it, it's kind of funny that we all, we all know the story, but you think about it for a moment. Here's Jonah, a very uh, reluctant prophet, right? God told him to go to Nineveh and tell them to repent, and what did he do? He runs the other way. Sometimes I think I'm more Jonah-like than I realize. Um, and, uh, and we know how that story went. That didn't work out so well running away. So Jonah repented of that, and he went there. And uh, he preached to these people, whatever it was. I think it was 30 days, 60 days and for a time. And um, then he left the city, and he's like, okay, God, I, I did it, I did it. Now destroy him. And then we leave Jonah, and he's, he's baking under a bundle of sticks. And God's like, should I destroy these, your repentant brethren? And we don't really know how that story ends, but these people repented. So I, I can't imagine that he was like super vigorous with his task, right? Like he didn't want to preach to these people and he wanted them destroyed, but they repented anyway. So is there more to the story? Well, I think there is. Um, these people uh, witnessed um, several eclipses, kind of like the eclipses that we're going to see. Um, the sign of Jonah 
I believe, and many people believe, is um, an eclipse. And when they saw an eclipse, which was a very rare event, a, a total eclipse over a city like Nineveh, that's a once in thousand year or more. They probably had nothing like it in their recorded history. So when that happened, shook them up pretty good. So they were willing to repent. Well, we have had likewise an eclipse. And we're, of course, we fancy ourselves so much smarter and we're not the we're not a bunch of superstitious ancients, right? So it, it didn't shake any of us up. But we have another eclipse um, that's going to be coming the other way across the country. And uh, many, as many of you know, um, it's going to make a cross across the heartland. Um, around Missouri. And so what's in this area of the crosshairs, so to speak? Well, in that general area, we have the Madrid fault line. Um, I want to refer back here to my pal Isaiah. Um, actually, this is in Revelation. Uh, the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. And the great Babylon was remembered before her God. Um, the cup of his wrath, uh, fierceness of his wrath, great hell fell from heaven. Um, in Isaiah, Isaiah went here somewhere. It says similar, basically divide, uh, the great Babylon, uh, into three parts. Well, who is the modern day great Babylon? Um, a lot of people kind of argue about that. To me, it doesn't seem like there's any candidates other than the United States of America, maybe the UN. I don't really know. But um, I had an interesting conversation at a Suspicious Observers conference with um, the solar – she's like NASA's top solar scientist. She's the head of the Solar Institute in Hawaii. Her name's Dr. Joan Burkpile. I've talked about her before. And uh, Dr. Lisa Upton. I got stuck at their table. I was a little bit grumbling about that because I didn't want to be at the table with the NASA scientists. But that's where I sat. And um, – I didn't want to really talk about NASA science, so I brought up the Madrid because I had just read a book called Visions of Glory, and it talked about the nation being split um, by a great earthquake on the Madrid. And it was very interesting. I don't know anything about these women, but they knew exactly what I was talking about. And um, one of them said, yeah, it, it, it's pretty widely held that if we have a big rumble there, it could definitely tear America into two or three chunks of land with a big inland sea through it. And I thought, huh, that's super interesting. If you look online, you will see Navy maps that show the same thing. So is that another sign from heaven that we could, uh, that we could be witnessing? Um, I don't know. You, you be the judge. I think it's uh, – I want to go back real quickly to French historian – was it Alexis Tocqueville that came here? And uh, many of you know the story. He came here and he wrote a book, uh, Democracy in America, in 1835, and he wanted to figure out how this young country, this country that was <clears throat> only a generation or two old, had become such a superpower. Um, and he looked all over, and he basically, to summarize what he came up with, America is great because America is good. And when America ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Well, are we good? Um I don't know. I don't know about you. I'm not as good as I ought to be. <clears throat> but uh, I think as a, as a whole, when you look at a nation that aborts millions of babies, murders millions of its unborn every year, the wars, the by and large, I think America is heading for a cleansing, which kind of reminds me of another sign. And I don't know if we have time to talk about that today. Um, how much time we got left, Brian? 
We definitely don't have time. <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about the left hand of the Lord, but we'll have to do that next week. And who I believe the left hand of the Lord, without any question, absolutely has to be, is China and uh, Russia. And we read in, uh, again with Isaiah, he's my, he's my man, I like Isaiah. Um, he talks about, and I'm paraphrasing, but um, I believe this is in 5.9. Um, where uh, your young man, he, he, he's, he's, he's mourning for the promised land, for the, the fallen promised land, which you, know, you, you decide who that is. But your, your young men are, are dead in the streets and your women are all ravaged. And he elaborates. And I've listened to this and I've people like Avraham Gileadi and experts in Isaiah, I've studied a lot. And it's pretty clear that there's some pretty dark things coming by an invading army. And I thought, what kind of an army would invade America and be that ruthless. Um, I've often been pretty taken aback by this. And then one day it struck me, and I might have mentioned this before on the show, and I'm not going to be able to find the article, but you guys know this. Um, in China, they, they, for basically several generations, um, aborted every girl baby. And I think probably even killed some born babies. Not that that isn't done here as well, but um, and so now they have a huge problem there where there's millions, tens of millions of men ages 20 to 40. They have entire cities of 30, 50,000 men that have no hope of ever finding a bride, of ever having a family. And there's suicides happening by the by the boatloads over there because men are so depressed that they have no hope of finding a bride. And the government keeps trying to pacify them and telling them, look, br brides will be coming. Well, where are they going to find millions of brights for these guys? I don't know, but it it struck me as kind of odd. Um, we're running out of time in our show this week. I hope our little discussion, we didn't get to cover all the signs of the times, but we've talked about a few. Um, and I want you guys to know that, yeah, even though there are storm, storm clouds coming and we've got, you know, maybe a tough road to hoe, so to speak, ahead of us, um, it'll be well. Um, seek him and don't be caught out of gas at a time that you and your family need the fullest possible spiritual horsepower that you can get. I promise you guys that if you walk upright before your creator, be good to your neighbors, do the things, follow the commandments given in that ark that's sitting underneath Gol Golgotha, that golden ark, you know the things, be good to your neighbor, love God, you will walk through fires, plagues, and catastrophes, and you will not fear. It'll be well for you, it'll be well for me and our families and our friends. And I look forward to meeting you someday soon. And we will talk to you next week. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye.